Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com. Beautiful, if not steamy Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. The coach of the big dog with you right up until 11 o'clock on the Two Guys at a Mic show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sports and more to talk about in the next 58 minutes and 37 seconds. We're on a tight schedule here, and that's all they allow. Uh, we'll play a little bit of music from our producer extraordinary. He's still here, folks. Baby in tow. Well, actually, baby not in tow. Baby in waiting. Could be called out at any moment, but bottom line is producer's still here. He's playing a music quick break, and then we'll get the sucker start. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, D. Olson. And again, good luck with the uh, birth of baby number three. By the way, uh, the third boy in the Olson family is the X chromosome running extremely strong. You might want to move to our block, David Olson. Um, you'd fit in very well because on our particular block, and it's uh, four or five blocks long, it's probably, I haven't totally analyzed it, but we're somewhere around 8515 to the male commodity. So I don't know if the Y chromosome got... Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's the same thing on our street. It's like 90% boys. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Some, there's going to be, uh, based on our two blocks, there's going to be some girls in high demand in about 13 years. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let me welcome in my good partner, checking in from the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. Oh, who knows? He might be in the hot, steamy city of Chicago. It is the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Dog, how are you? You don't really pay too much attention, Coach. I haven't been to Aurora in like three months. I know, but it's fun to say telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora. I understand. Uh, I'm I'm bad. I'm not that bad. Just, just to let everybody out there know that there's there's one person here that uh, paid attention in school, and there's one person who hasn't. The yeah. Y chromosome is the is the boy chromosome. Really? The girl chromosome. Did I get that mixed up? Yes, you did. Ah, how do you like that? I knew I should have been girl, in school. I think girls I... are XX. And okay. boys are XY. Okay. All right. Thank you for clearing that up. Now, uh, and another thing, uh, I cannot believe you just told me about this whole that eighty-five percent of the uh, the kids on your block are boys, and ninety percent are are. are uh, now, I'm not saying this is the truth. And ninety percent are boys on the David Olson's uh, block because on our block and my whole subdivision, everybody is a boy. And Amanda Hogan. I mean, she said it, so I, I'm out there. I'm going to tell you what she told me. <laughs> wait, she, but wait, before you say that, how old is Amanda Hogan? I would say two years younger than me. I would say oh, 38. I thought Amanda was the daughter. Okay, the the mom. Yeah, she's she's she has two boys. All, everybody in the family has boys, and she thoroughly believes that our country has been messing with uh, chromosomes. Wow! During pregnancy. And that wow. there's going to be a massive war, and that's why 
America's had so many boys. And there has been an exorbitant number of boys across America for the last four or five years. But it's not talked about. You don't read much about it. They're keeping it undercover if we want to go with the tremendous conspiracy theory of an Amanda Hogan. Yeah, I'm not saying she's right or not, but Uh she was like, Joel, she's like, everybody's having boys. And she's like, there's going to be a massive war in like 10 years. She's like, you watch. David, even if there's not a war, uh, we got about 18 years to pass the gay marriage legalization uh, because based on the numbers that we're coming across, the numbers that we're crunching, if the marriage institution is going to continue, big dog, we better legalize gay marriage. Coach, coach, the Roman, <laughs> the Roman soldiers had sex together for yeah. years, okay, yeah. without getting married. Yeah. And, let's, yeah. and let's face it, most men don't want to get married anyway. It's an interesting combination. You're right about that. So it might be happy bachelorhood for many of us. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Except right. you're going to have a guy by the name of Earl at your bachelor party. <laughs> oh, goodness. That kind of makes you glad we were born in this generation, huh, Big Duck? Oh, my wow. God. Coach, I know, I, honestly, I, I was I was talking yesterday. I am really, really old school. I believe in holding the door for a lady. I believe in men taking out the garbage. Mm-hmm. I believe in a lot of stuff that women should be doing instead of men. Sorry, ladies. There's so, you know, I actually believe in like gender roles and stuff. I'm not saying that a man should get a job over a woman because he's a man. I'm not talking about sexism. I do believe that there is something proper about gender roles. And like a lot of kids don't feel that way nowadays. Oh, mm-hmm. no. A girl can do anything a boy can do. And no, no, they always can. No, not, no, that's not true. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with some good old fashioned, if you're a boy, you should protect your sister and make sure nobody messes with her and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and there's some some old fashioned stuff that we've lost as a society because of political correctness and people afraid to hurt other people's feelings and and, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm of this generation, Coach. Oh, my goodness, I was glad. If I would have been born, like, in 12 years later, I mean, right now I'd have a faux hawk, okay? We'd be complaining about having to go out and get a job and all kinds of other stuff. I, 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 I'm, but I don't know. I, hopefully my generation's kids are going back to the, hey, let's, uh, let's get back to good old-fashioned family values. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I'm with you on the, uh, you know, there, there's place to be gentlemanly towards the women. I'm probably not strong, as strong as you are in that category. And as you were saying that, I kind of thought, you know, for me, priority first and foremost is male or female. It's just being nice. Oh, just no, being no, no, considerate no, 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 of the other person, you know? No, no, absolutely. I'm not trying which, to pass that up. No. Yeah, which but, is but at times can be a lost art in today's society. Male or female, just, you know, be considerate, be nice. Be friendly to other people. Mm-hmm. Go out of your way to help them out. I think that gets lost way, way, way too many times. But um, it's a family values sports talk show here with the big dog and the coach. By the way, speaking of family values, uh, you know, the Penn State thing, we, we touched on it. Well, a little bit more than touched on it yesterday because both of us were gone. But, uh, you know, it's still bothering more and more and more. I read one of the tweets where someone flew a plane over Penn State, you know, get rid of the statue or we'll take it down. You know, I tweeted him back, you know, someone should take the plane down instead. You know, easy. Easy on the people that are there. And there's so much. Joe Paterno, Joe Paterno. What about Jerry Sandusky? You're, no, no, you're Where's right the hatred that. to Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno? You know, maybe, maybe turn the other cheek and even that part's questionable. How about more hatred towards Sandusky? You know, it's like, it's like, uh, 
you know, your girlfriend cheats on you, you get mad at the guy she had sex with. Yep. What about your girlfriend? She's the one who cheated on you. That guy had nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, and and like I said, I, I am. There's, I, I feel a lot different about Joe Paterno than I did six months ago. Okay, but to forget that Jerry Sandusky is the villain in this ninety nine point nine percent nine 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 nine, you know. It's it's ridiculous that uh, I mean we have to learn from the mistakes that Curly and Paterno made, but the villain is Sandusky. It's not Joe yep. Paterno. Yep, but he's the he's the easy target right now. I don't know if they're I mean there's they have the Joe Paterno Library right because he donated four million. I wonder if there's any Sandusky paraphernalia hanging around the Penn State campus, and there would be well, zero debate the- on whether to get rid of that or not. Well, there was, oh yeah, there's zero debate on that. Uh, the, one of the first things they did, as soon as this came out, before they even went to trial, or so let's find out if he's innocent or not, there was a mural of the, of the football great at Penn State. And like, so everybody was like life-size in the mural. Mm-hmm. As soon as this story broke, someone from Penn State, like that day, went down there and painted over the Sandusky one. Yep, yep. Yeah, so, that's, I mean, that's they, where the hatred should be going. I, you know, I, I yesterday I was firing on all the, uh, you know, sports media people were just, you know, sticking out their chest. A lot of the young guns too. You know, I'll cancel the program. It's terrible. And Joe did this, and Joe did that. Cancel the program. You know, easy, easy pundit wannabes. And, and I had heard, and uh, not yesterday, but it reminded me of a conversation I heard about a week ago, where they were talking about getting rid of the Penn State uh, athletic offices that house the showers. Where the, the one most noticeable incident took place and they were even talking back and forth. Well, would you want to go in there and shower where that happened? And they were not saying it jokingly. They were saying it for real. And the one guy's like, no way. You're absolutely right. They got to get right. You know, they got to get rid of that. They got to tear down the, I mean, come on. No, no, no. Give me I, a I, I break. understand that feeling. I understand that feeling. You do? I, I'm not talking about knock down the whole building. I would not think twice about going into the same shower that 14 years ago. That horrible incident took place. I mean, please. Come on. Come no, on, it's, man. It's, no, it's no, Chad Ochoacink. It, it is creepy. Well, you don't understand. Sometimes I understand how creepy that is. It is? You but do? The idea, you're sitting in a shower and you're like, is this where it happened? Oh, come on, please. Whatever, coach. It's creepy. Okay, so would you, you want to live is. in a house that there was a murder committed in? Well, what I'm saying is to you it's creepy. To me it's not in the least bit creepy. I find it creepy that you're creeped out by it. So, I mean, it's your opinion. <laughs> By the way, let me throw the phone number out. And again, now we are having some telecommunicative phone line problems, so our phone uh, is different than usual. We haven't changed the permanent phone, so if you got it in your uh, cell phone, I know many people have put it in their iPhones, Big Doug. Laugh track, please. Uh, 847-470-1114 is the phone number you want to check in. We'd love to hear from you, 847 470 we got to talk some baseball today, Big Dog. There's some NBA news and notes, and uh, I don't know if you've been following, but our men's Olympic team, basketball, has been playing a little bit, and they struggled yesterday. Did you did you follow that particular story? Uh, no, yesterday I was earning cash on the Chicago River. Very nice. Who did they play? Uh, it was USA 80 Brazil. Brazil, Nene, Leonardo Barbarossa, Tiago Splitter, is that his name? Yeah, Tiaz was splitter. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. They got it. All because they're because they're not African American and you know from the United States. Stephen A. Smith hates all those guys. He's made fun of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Eighty. Well, Nene's African American. 
No, he's African-Brazilian. Ah. 80-69 to 69 was the final score. LeBron scored 30, which can be a little disconcerting. The, the scoring yeah, balance was not great. Not, not when you have a team of superstars, do you want LeBron yes, dropping 30? I agree. I'm not ripping LeBron. I'm not getting on the LeBron hate bandwagon. That's just like, that's, come on, guys. Everybody else needs to step up for LeBron. Because if there's ever, ever a game where you want LeBron to defer like he has so many times and been ripped for it, yep. it'd be when there's 11 NBA studs around him. You know? That's crazy, Coach. Um, and here's the issue with the with uh, the big guys. Obviously, you talk about Splitter and, and Nene, and, and Leandro Barbarossa is like a real big, small forward. Yep. They don't have a lot of size. There's going to be issues for them winning the gold medal. Serious issues. I don't know. If I, I don't agree think with it's that. a. I don't think it's a cakewalk, like everybody thinks of this coach. If Davis is their best big man, well, you, you made two different statements. I'll agree with the second one. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. But your first statement: there's going to be issues with the U.S. winning the gold medal. I don't think there'll be a whole lot of issues. I, I think, no, coach, I, don't, I think it's more like a like a, a thirty-five to forty percent chance. I don't think it's what? like ninety-nine, like everybody else thinks it is. Wait, wait, wait! You think there's a thirty-five to forty percent chance only that we're going to win gold? Seriously, I'm the wow. only one that sees the holes on this team. Nobody else has seen them like I'm see. I, I, I've been meaning to bring this up. We haven't talked Olympic basketball. Mm-hmm. Look at their big men. They when they play Spain, the Spain the Spanish have a much bigger and better front line than the U.S. team does. Yeah, but it's still uh, you're right on size alone. We we got Tyson Chandler, the only true center. He's not even an offensive threat. And he can't threat. score. And he can't score. It's amazing. The guy's been in the NBA nine years, and he still cannot face up to the basket, shot fake, and drive. I don't know how hard that is to practice, but that's fine. He is who he is, and he's a valuable player. The next big guys are was Blake Griffin. He's out. So now you got Anthony Davis, a high school kid, played one year of college, and then Kevin Love who at 6'10 is much more comfortable away from the basket. So you're right, the inside defensive presence, a concern. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just worried about it. And uh, everybody else, we just assume we're back. We played American basketball in the last two Olympics, or the last Olympics, and everything's going to be easy. I, I, I just don't, I, I don't see it. I really want them to win, Coach. I, I, it's not like I'm ripping on these guys at all. I'm, I'm just not as certain as everybody else seems to well, be about, about them. And don't forget, every time you say there's concerns, you know, I started to worry myself about talking about the middle, and then you forget that, oh, on the perimeter, you've got Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Kevin yes. Durant. So, you know, that 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 little bit more than makes up for the hole in the middle. I, I would put our percentage much higher than 35 yeah, to 40. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a cakewalk, but yeah, I think we'll here's win. The- Here's the problem. When you make stew and you forget to put in the salt, which is just a little tiny bit, it doesn't taste as good. Okay? There's <laughs> okay. a missing ingredient for this team, and that's so weak. And it's a major missing ingredient. It's like going into – it's it's like the way, the way you described it. It's like, oh, the, this team, they can pass the ball, they throw it around, they do all this. But they do, yeah, but – they can't run the ball in short yardage situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's kind of like how I, that's like the, okay. that's like having the inside that you can say, all right, this team has to defend the low post on every single play because whenever we want to, we can drop it in and get a layup. And as long as the team has to defend that, everything else opens up around the court. Mm-hmm. They will not have that. Teams can actually say, hey, we need to perimeter defend and we can do things a little differently because mm-hmm. what, what's Tyson Chandler going to do? Call for the ball and drop 20 on us? No, he's going to get, 
eight points, and they're all going to be on offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. All right, interesting. So the big dog, uh, you, now you're getting me titillated a little bit because I was kind of considering it an automatic, probably not going to watch some of the prelim games, but uh, you're bringing up, uh, you're putting a little worry in the situation. That's good. I hope and it's competitive. They, I hope it and is. When they, and when they get to the final eight, it's single elimination. Yep. Isn't it, or is it 16? Uh, uh, the final eight, that's the single elimination, right? Yeah, well, I think you play pool play, right? And the, the, yeah, you uh, pool play, play pool play. Top and two the, advance, the yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, that's going to be interesting to watch. Apparently the biggest controversy at the USA-Brazil game, I don't know where the game was played, but Barack Obama got booed. And I didn't see it, but apparently they went kiss cam at halftime or during one of the breaks. Uh-huh. And the kiss cam went all over the uh, stadium at one point and went right on Barack and our wonderful first lady. And apparently Barack uh, did not kiss Michelle and was uh, roundly booed, roundly booed by the, United, the pro-United States crowd. How about that? Fortunately, the security agent next to him, the Secret Service agent, did catch uh, kiss Michelle and everything was good. That would have got one heck of a cheer. He also kissed the blonde behind him, and then he, you know, the guy really got it. It was unbelievable how he got into the kiss cam. If you, uh, uh, big dog, I gotta believe a guy like you, you, you've gone kiss cam before, no? Uh, no, you know, I've never been on the kiss cam. Ah, and, and coach, I, I, I want to, who was the last, uh, U.S. president that probably was affectionate with his wife? The only one, think about it, uh, well, let's face it. Uh, I'll surprise you, know, you and say, I know, I know you're totally whitewashed by our current, uh, uh, president, no. and I don't think they have it. They have the typical, "Hey, we love each other," and then when they get in public, just be like, "You go be the president. I'll raise our kids, and maybe one day I'll be nice to you." But I've been sick here the last four years. <laughs> and then and the Clintons. Oh my God! You know that's exactly well, what it was. See, I was going to give you a surprise answer. My answer was going to be Bill and Hillary Clinton. I actually think, despite all the shenanigans that went on, from what I've heard. And from what I've observed, it is a very, very deep and long-time love affair between the two. But that's just me. Then she's an extremely forgiving lady. Yes, she is. Well, and, yeah. And, and, I got, and I can't, I can't imagine George H. Bush and, and Barbara ever having sex unless it's like Ronald Reagan was way too old. <laughs> Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan truly were. That was an incredible love affair, and they yes. really did love each other. Yes. We're talking like late seventies. Yeah. You know that they weren't doing anything. Yep. And, I mean, just the idea of Rosalind and Jimmy getting it on, it makes oh, me boy. look. And I think George W. and Barbara Bush were probably the most affectionate and actually, like, that, that's that's the only mm. thing probably good about them. It's a lot of words I can think of for Laura Bush. Affectionate would not be in my top ten. Very attractive. No, no, no. I think he's, I thought he's, I think he's, ta- you're talking George H.W. and Barbara, not, not George W. and Laura, no. right? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking George and Laura, not George yeah. and Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, George and Laura. I, I, well, I think I George that. tried to get affectionate. No, but I mean, I really think they were like, in, like truly in love and, and, and weren't the whole mm-hmm. political animal, hey, we have to act like we like each other mm-hmm. type deal. Yeah, but and I'm not ripping Democrats or Republicans there, but it's, I'm just talking just yeah. typical relationships. So and they might, you know, uh, Michelle and Brock might be in that same, hey, let's, I'm, I'm running for president. I can't divorce you. <laughs> okay. Come on. Be and I'm going. not, I'm not, I'm not falling for any of the, oh, you know, Barack Obama and Reggie Love, uh, had a gay love affair the last 20 <laughs> years. Okay. 
I'm not trying to insinuate that at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. I certainly hope not. 19 minutes into the show, we're all over the board, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. From the Penn State situation to Barack Obama's strength. From the beautiful and lovely Michelle. At any rate, the one thing we do know is he got booed. Where's Reggie Love? That was a woman. Reggie Love, yes. Um, Love his albums, by the way. Um, But I'm I'm shocked to hear, Big Dog, and that's just not right that you've never gone kiss cam because if any cameraman is out there, you would be on the first team all kiss cam team if it ever came on you. Okay, uh, first of all... uh... I, I, they don't have the kiss cam at Bears games, I, and I go to a Bears game like once every five years. I, every time I'm at U.S. Cellular Field, I'm in line for another beer. Okay, <laughs> and I go and I go to about five yeah. games a year over yeah. there. The kiss and cam Rigby and the beer Field line does not have, work well. Rigby Field doesn't have a kiss cam. Uh, what about the Schaumburg Flyers? Um, I've only been to like two games, and I was sitting next to you at the time. <laughs> And Frank so Beans Barber. If I would have been on Kiss Cam, I would, and you kissed me, I would have been a little worried. I, I find, I'm proud that you go to the gay pride Love parade me. every day. <laughs> but, well, but I would all of a sudden have an issue with that if you ever tried to kiss me. Probably, okay. and rightfully so. Let me ask you this, and you know, these are the tough questions we ask here, the two guys at a mic show, and this question will uh, perpetrate only to our old morning break listeners. But if the Kiss Cam came on you, one of our remotes at the Schaumburg Flyers game, and you got a coach, John Cohen, me, on your left, you got a Frankie Beans Barber on your right, a Swamp Rat in front of you, and a Mark Spanky Carmen behind you. Which way do you turn and go lip lock? Well, just to put you know, I thought you were going to throw Mark Pinsky in there. Oh, boy. And uh, definitely not Mark Pinsky because yeah. he chews tobacco. Yeah. That's disgusting. Okay. <laughs> Kevin the Swamp Rat Haran, by the way, can take his teeth out, so it might be a little <laughs> bit too enjoyable for me. Okay. <laughs> It'd be quite it'd be way too enjoyable. Uh, so, I see you every single day, so there's no that's, possible yeah, way that I could actually many, do Too it many with repercussions you. there, yep. Carmen's Carmen's in Kansas City, and I'm better looking than him, so I would definitely go him. So <laughs> at least I can make him feel better about himself. <laughs> uh, oh, you, oh, you pick Carmen? Oh, you know what? I should go with Frank Beans Barber, oh, just so Beans. he could quit talking to my girlfriend or wife or whatever particular <laughs> woman I was dating or married to at that time, because he has a tendency to. Oh, you're with somebody. Okay, let hey. me hang out with you for a little bit. Hey, let's let's spend hey. five minutes alone together. How you doing, man? How you doing? Unbelievable. All right. Hey, where's your wife? Oh, uh, she's with Frank and Beans. What? <laughs> Next thing we know, they're showing him baby pictures, wedding pictures. Oh, isn't that cute? And, oh, Frankie can this work. This is what I look like in the leopard skin G-string. Yeah. <laughs> How does that kind of took an awkward turn? Uh, <laughs> the following two minutes have been brought to you by the Morning Break Radio Show on WSBC back in the day. I apologize for that divulgence. Um all right, moving along, big dog. Baseball, back in action, our beloved White Sox. First place, Chicago White Sox. By the way, a pretty good race coming across. I know it's not the marquee division in baseball, but the American League Central, the Detroit Tigers now are getting hot. They've won eight out of nine. Here come the Tiger. Cleveland is not going away. They win a game yesterday. It looks like they're for real. When I say for real, they're not the best team in baseball. But it looks like they'll contend. The White Sox are right there. That's going to be a pretty good three-team race. The Sox, of course, lose yesterday. You know, yeah, it- I really do expect the Tigers to play pretty good baseball in the second half. They've got a heck of a lot of talent. If they can get any type of relief pitching, they're going to be they're going to be a pretty good team in the second half. And let's face it, Coach, you're right. It isn't the marquee division and blah blah blah. I want to remind everybody that the Cardinals sucked all last year and they won the World Series championship. So yes, if you get in the playoffs, 
you can win the World Series championship. So you're exactly right. I mean, this this it's pretty exciting. Three teams, and and I'm still going to be shocked if if Cleveland's there at the end of the year, coach. Hmm. I, I I see them slowly but surely fading out of the hmm. playoff contention. Long time listener to the program, uh, Indian shortstop as Drupal Cabrera will not be happy with your particular comments. You'll probably be hearing from him, but uh, White Sox lose yesterday, dog to the Red Sox five to one. They're at Fenway Park. Everybody stopped hitting the ball except the ex-Red Sox, Kevin Euclid, who got two doubles and a single. Or was it two singles? And I think he got two doubles and a single. So he made a pretty good uh, resurgence back at Fenway Park. But the Red Sox win the game 5-1. to one. Adrian Gonzalez pounded a three-run homer in the eighth inning. That was the big blow. So uh, Red Sox beat White Sox game two today. Now, did, uh, were the people in Boston chatting, you I think were they, doing it? they were, for sure. They did a little eight-minute video highlight, I believe, at the beginning of the game. So there was not a lot of uh, negative for Kevin Euclid. Okay, because like, he is a bull. It, it, it's just so funny how how devoted and yet how fickle Boston fans are, Coach, because uh, at, at first when Bobby Valentine ripped Kevin Euclid, the fans were ripping Bobby Valentine, being like, who are you? He's been here for eight years. He's won two world championships. You've done nothing. And then, like, two weeks later, they're like, why the hell is Euclid playing? Middlebrooks has got to be in the lineup. You know, and then they traded him, and they were like, why don't you trade Kevin Euclid? And I'm like, well, so they've gone back and forth on this guy. So I was just wondering how they how they, they treated him mm-hmm. yesterday as his return to the Reds to Boston. Yeah, for the most part, it was uh, definitively positive. Um and it should be. It really yeah. should be. Yeah. Dylan Axelrod, by the way, young pitcher for the White Sox, went six and a third, gave up only one run. And, again, that was at Fenway against a pretty good Red Sox lineup, so they continue to get good starting pitching off the bench, big dog. But Gavin Floyd, now, I don't know if you follow this or not, he's going, it looks like, on the DL. So you now have... 37 rookie pitchers on their 25-man <laughs> roster. <laughs> pretty close to it, but you've got three out of your five original starting pitchers that are broken down. Now, Phil Humber still battling. John Danks still. There was a quote in the paper. He was all excited yesterday because he threw the ball 90 feet for the first time. But, you know, that's a long way from, you know, throwing actual strikes and getting major league batters out from 90 feet away. So you got Danks, Umber, and now Floyd out, and somehow the White Sox... Well, I'll ask you, Big Dog, will they be able to stay above water with the young pitching and uh, continue to battle the Tiger? It's going to be so hard for me to answer that question with like uh, with uh, facts behind it because, quite simply, with all these rookie pitchers, these are all variables, Coach. It's not like we can be like, oh, we know what Floyd and Danks are going to give you and we know what Peavy's going to give you. Well, Floyd and Danks are out, and, and is Quintana going to continue to be mm-hmm. masterful? You know, I, I can't. It's going to be extremely difficult. The best way I can tell you, if the, if the White Sox want to stay afloat, so the hitting better not try to overcompensate and just continue to hit like they have this year, which has been pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And and PV has to put the team on his shoulders and win every time out almost the, the rest of the way. And hopefully these young bullpen, the young bullpen, which has been consistent all year long, Coach, they've been really good besides like a two-week stretch when they had that, the, the, all the losses in May, they've been awesome. So it's, I hope so. I really do. But it's so hard to give a definitive answer when you're talking about a whole rookie pitching staff. I mean, 
half of these guys are supposed, more than half are supposed to be in AAA this year, you know, and yet they've come up and been awesome so far this year. Mm-hmm. So is it awesome? Are they, have they been awesome because they're quality major league pitchers that are that are learning how to pitch and are going to be good one day, or is it one of those things where you got a bunch of good arms that the rest of the league hasn't seen, and eventually when they go around the league a couple times, they start getting pounded. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the question about the White Sox second half. You mentioned the uh, rookie pitchers and uh, kiddingly talking about 37 of them, but um, the Kansas City game, I think, the 14-inning game? The I don't know how many. time ever. I know what the record is. The first time in Major League Baseball history. By the way, do you know what year it started, Coach? I mean, do you know what year it was? The Major League Baseball started? What year did Major League Baseball start? Uh, 1885. 1876. Ah, off by nine years. The first time in the history of the game of baseball that eight rookie pitchers were used by a team in a game. Wow. The record before was six. Think about that. One of the reasons that record is so hard to beat is because how many times ever do a team have eight rookie pitchers on their pitching set? And and you would think, if you you would think, and by the way, the time that it was six, it would happen like twice. They were both in September. I was just going to say that. That uh, would be the one caveat is in September when you bring everybody up. Uh, yeah, so even like, even that's, it's never got to seven or eight. They got to eight in the mid, they're in first place using eight rookie pitchers in July. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, it makes zero sense. If you were to tell me that these eight rookie pitchers in a game in July, I would have said to you, the White Sox are 35 games for the first place right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, but they're not. Two and a half up on the hard-charging Detroit Tiger, three up on the Cleveland Indians. Let's hope it would be kind of fun to have a good pennant race down the stretch. But you're right, the Tigers could catch fire and with the Sox No, they're going to, people. They're going to because Prince Fielder hasn't hit all year. Mm -hmm. And every single year, Prince Fielder in August and September, who doesn't miss any plays 162, he'll drive in 50 runs the last two months of the season, Coach. Mm. The real key from what I heard is Jimmy Leland, their manager has gone back to the old um, high-tar and nicotine cigarettes. You know, he was trying some of those funky um, facsimiles thereof, and it just threw him off. Now he's back. I don't know if it's Marlboro or what the heck. He's, I think, you know, Winchester Cathedrals or whatever those were called. But he's going high-tar nicotine ever since he's done that. They're they're on a winning streak. You know, know, normally you have to smoke 15 feet away from your workplace. Yes. Does that mean he has to, like, walk out of the dugout and actually go, like, into foul territory and smoke a cigarette now? Uh, technically yes, but he's Jimmy Leland, so the answer is no. Has he ever has he ever walked out to change a pitcher smoking a cigarette? Be a good look. No, I don't. I don't think he's ever done that, Coach. I don't a, think he's ever done that. That'd be a good luck. I'd like to see that one time. Now, supposedly, I don't know. I've never seen it, but supposedly Dave Parker had Dave Parker Cobra, right? One of the great right fielders of the late seventies, early eighties of the We Are Family Pirates. Supposedly, he pulled out a pack of cigarettes out of his back pocket and lit up when Chuck Tanner came out for a pitching change one time. <laughs> Wait, when he was out in the outfield? Out in the outfield, Chuck Tanner comes out to replace. So he's probably he was probably uh, replacing uh, yeah. uh, John Candelario with a Kent Colby. And in the middle of it, Parker. Did, I don't know if I'm, I just read about it one day where they're like, "Oh yeah, the time that Dave Parker smoked a cigarette during a pitching change." <laughs> You know, uh, now that is, I'm glad you said pitching. And yeah. by the way, Jimmy Leland once managed the Pirates, but not when Dave Parker was That's there. That's right. Mm-hmm. That is right. By the way, speaking of pitchers, Atlanta, Al has emailed in, and uh, he says, uh, remind Big Dog that uh, Ben Sheets 
And I forgot to mention this yesterday. Ben, with one of the great nicknames from uh, Chris Berman, Between the Ben Between the Sheets, uh, first time in two years, made an appearance two days ago, Big Dog. I meant to bring this up yesterday. He's pitching for the Braves now. He threw six innings, gave up no runs. The Braves, by the way, have won seven in a row. But Ben Sheets is coming to a theater near you. How about that? Uh, that'd be cool. Uh, ben Sheets, uh, I guess, became famous for the, the 2000 Olympics when he was just freaking awesome. And then uh, Ben Sheets was a very good pitcher, top-notch pitcher, you know, and then when he would face the Cubs, he'd be the greatest thing of all time. All Cub fans think he's the greatest pitcher that has ever walked the earth because he used to just dominate the Cubs, Coach. It was was, I I wish the kid the best. You know, obviously he's got enough money to live on the rest of his life, but Mm -hmm. when you're chasing the dream and trying to get back there, I always pull for a guy. Two years. It's a long time. Apparently he was heavy in the weight room uh, trying to get back working on the weights, and uh, Ben Sheets is back. By the way, the big dog, from what I heard David Olson, was uh, in the weight room a couple of days ago, as he is wont to do, working out with a friend, and one of the uh, some uh, very attractive female walks by. And Joel asked the friend, what machine do you think I should work on to impress her? And the friend points over to the ATM machine over in the corner. Try that one. Yeah, it didn't work, Coach. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Real men don't work out on machines, Coach. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. Was... You know, the only machine that I that I <laughs> use is the pre-core stretching machine, and I'm not kidding. Oh, you shouldn't use that. That's dangerous. Oh, why is it dangerous? The pre-core stretching machine. I won't let go. All right. All I'm... I know is this: I couldn't move two Tuesdays ago because my back locked up on me. I got on that pre-core stretch. Do you even know what I'm talking about? The rocking chair. No. Oh, the pre-core rocking chair stretching machine <laughs> is the greatest thing. Why would you say I shouldn't use a stretching machine? I'm kidding, of course. I don't even know what it is. It sounds fun, Oh, though. my, oh my goodness. pre-core stretching machine. It's like, imagine, okay, uh, like you sit on this, like on a stool thing that rocks back and forth, and you hold on wow. to the handles, and you put your legs in just simple different positions, wow. and then you lean back, holding on to the handles. Ooh. Coach, it is the greatest. I need a friend to help me stretch out because my legs and neck and back are so tight from all the different injuries I've had over my life. Mm-hmm. And after the fact I work out so hard all the time. I, it is the greatest piece of apparatus. It's worth the $175 a month that Charlie Portis pays for me to work out at East Bank Club. It's freaking phenomenal. Oh, Cin- my goodness. Cinemax, Cindy uh, tweeting in uh, a quick note, never take Cialis. Before using the pre-core stretching machine. Based okay, I, I have yet, and, I, and I'm almost 40, and I'm not saying this to try to brag, I have yet to use a, wow. uh, a stimulant in terms of the nether regions yeah, yet. Wow. I'm not saying I'm beyond it. I, I would try it one day, but I have yet to use it. And considering all the ramifications afterwards, hey, if you use this, you will have an erection. Oh, that's nice. But if you also use this, you won't have any hair. You will lose. Uh, <laughs> you won't want to have sex. You yeah. won't have an appetite. You'll grow a fourth testicle. Uh, I think just, <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, yeah. I, is it worth it? You know, uh, hey, if you, yeah. if you if you take Propecia, you'll grow hair, but uh, you'll smell. You won't be able to have an erection, I'm, and you'll lose all your money. I'm, I mean, I'm, really? I'm canceling my prescription. I'm going with the pre-core stretching machine. Sounds like a lot more fun and probably more effective. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's it's. I would have to say the pre-core stretching machine has changed my life the last two weeks. Because I can move. Uh, I can get my glutes, my yeah. hips. 
you name a muscle from your neck down, it gets it. It's amazing, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right, I got to check that out. I have to check that. Maybe we'll get one uh, upstairs here at the uh, TalkZone.com executive office. Plenty of room. Because after you do it, it actually aligns your body, and mm-hmm. your blood will flow will be better. I think better after I get off of it. Oh, absolutely. Well, we talked about that before. I'm a firm believer in exercise, improving your mental stabilities and abilities. We've all seen the uh, commander in chief here, the uh, the general, the man in charge, Chris Whitting, big dog. Uh, he, he he's a man that could probably use a little workout on the pre-core stretching machine, a few push-ups and sit-ups, and I'm being kind. You know, uh, I will be more than happy to put them through like a, a, a four or five uh, day training session. Coach, mm-hmm. I have no problem. No problem. Interesting. And, and you know, it, it's funny is now that I'm working out at at East Bay, legitimately, it legitimately at least at least ten times in the two months, somebody's been like, I really want a body like yours. You're, you have better body than all the personal trainers. Will you personal train me? You do stuff that I've never seen anybody do here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how much the personal trainers get paid here? They're like $125 an hour. I'm like, okay, I'll do it for 120 <laughs> Then they walk away. Yeah. <laughs> so, and by the way, the last time a guy asked me to do it, he also told me some really disgusting stuff that he wanted to do to me. <laughs> and I said, no. Um, I got to tell you, Coach. Not I for 125 No way. Coach, I've, I've, gone into, I've gone into gay bars in the city of Chicago. Look yep. at my buddy Jason Rosenberg. Yep. Never been hit on one time. All I got to tell you is in, in the, the gym that I work at now, I won't mention the name in this particular story, but uh, no, uh, it's happened like five times already. It's wow. like, are you serious? I was like, I can go into a gay bar, get a drink with my a couple of my buddies. Uh, one of them is a gay guy. He loves taking us up the gay but Nobody will hit us. And the next thing I know, I go into a gym and people are like, hey, you, you're cute. What are you doing? I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to all the young kids out there. Big Dog, I have one final question for you before we move on from this Particular discussion. Oh, please, let's, let's hear it. If I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? Uh, at full speed, kind of <laughs> like I was Ray Lewis. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, real quick, we got to get out of the baseball world. Other things to talk about, but we got to mention our Chicago Cubs, hottest team in baseball. Let me say that one more time. Chicago Cubs, hottest team currently in baseball, 12 out of their last 16. All kinds of storylines here. Big dog is the Miami Marlins, Ozzy, Zambrano, Burley, come visiting your Chicago Cub. Can they keep the hot streak going, my friend? Please please tell me Burley and Zambrano are going to start against the Cubs. Zambrano will not be. Mark, Mark Burley will. Well, that sucks. Out of the two, I definitely prefer Zambrano because you know he'd be fired up. And whenever Zambrano gets angry and fired up, he yep. throws the ball as hard as he can and it goes yep. perfectly straight. That is true. But but Mark Burley, Mark Burley is like, oh, I'm angry at you. Oh, no, no, I normally throw an 87-mile-an-hour fastball. Here comes an 81-mile-an-hour fastball. You know what I mean? It's just like he's just a smarter guy than it. Burley owns the, the Chicago Cubs, and I just I know Zambrano's so emotional that he would overthrow the ball. So that, no. that's too bad. And it would have been cool just to watch him pitch in Wrigley to see the antics and if he did anything crazy and stupid. Yeah, that uh, would have been funny. They, they do say we might see Zambrano, though, as you know, he was a pretty good pinch hitter for the Cubs. Uh, Ozzy's talking about, uh, you know, don't worry, Wrigley Field fans, you're going to see Carlos once or twice. All right, cool, that's cool. I, I hope he means it. I, re- I really do hope he, that he, mm-hmm. he means it and he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, or pitch or pitch hits or something, yeah. that would be cool. Just to say, and you know what, I would give Zambrano a, a hand. 
Yeah, I would too. I didn't say I would applaud. I would just give him a hand, like I put my palm out. I would too. And they talked about in the paper today, Theo Epstein and uh, you know Jed Hoyer. They talked to a bunch of the players, and the consensus was at the time that you know he had broken their trust a little bit. It was time for a change in the clubhouse, and that's one of the reasons they got rid of Zambrano. But apparently, when the Marlins were working out before the Cubs on Monday. You know, all, uh, almost every one of the returning Cubs from last year went over to Carlos, gave him big hugs, and was kidding around with him. So it's not like they didn't like the guy. You know, he was not he was not a bad attitude guy. He had these blow ups and stuff. But you watched him in the dugout. We talked about this before. He was always cheering on his teammate. He loved being part of the team. He loved to play, loved to compete. He was smiling, having fun. So the I think the Cub teammates liked him, but maybe they got tired of the uh, the antics. Well, he just he just couldn't control he'll snap. Yep. Everybody knows he's a good guy, a, a soft spoken, mild mannered guy, and then all of a sudden he snaps and he acts like a freaking fool every once in a while. And it wasn't I should say every once in a while, like two or three times a season. He mm-hmm. would just snap and it and it'd be an embarrassment and when he's winning eighteen games with an ERA below three and completing five games a year and hitting a game winning home run every once in a while. You can handle him yelling at a shortstop when he makes an error. Yep. You know, it makes you mad, but you can handle it. And all of a sudden, you know, you can't throw strikes. His ERA is above five, and he starts screaming at everybody and pointing fingers. And just like you would say, he didn't realize that three of those fingers were pointing right back at him. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's it. you know what it is. You if you snap and you act a fool, coach. You know what? People, hey, come on, calm down. When you start snapping and acting a fool and ripping teammates. Well, you better be freaking Babe Ruth hitting 60 home runs a year, winning 19, 20 games as a pitcher. Yep. If you're out there acting like that, and and he wasn't, you know, so that that that's the thing, Coach. If you're mm-hmm. gonna rip teammates, that's when you cross the line. You, do, I, I am, I am so for you need to have a good, a good chemistry in the in the clubhouse. And I, I, you can get in the whole argument: does winning create good chemistry, or chemistry create good winning, and all that? That's fine. I, I don't, you don't have to be best friends. But when your teammate messes up, when a quarterback throws a ball to a guy who drops the ball, you know, hey, catch the ball, man. Just catch the ball next time. That's the way he should be. Now, look, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. If he runs the wrong route, then you yell at him. You know what I mean? A mental mistake a guy gets yelled at. or But a physical mistake, if you don't encourage a guy, then you don't belong in the same team as him. Even if you can't stand him, mm-hmm. okay, you need to pick your teammates up in, in sports, not yeah. Lay him on the ground. Somebody that was not so good at that particular aspect, I believe, was Michael Jordan. I'm not sure he was oh, uh, Mr. Pickup. No, 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 no. You're right. You're exactly right. And when Michael Jordan settled down when Phil Jackson came, and when Phil Jackson convinced him, listen, nobody on this team is as good as you. They can't do what you do. So you have to lead with some encouragement every once in a while. It can't, yep. And he made him quit ripping on Bill Cartwright. Yep. And as soon and and did you know how uh, Phil Jackson convinced Michael Jordan to quit ripping on Bill Cartwright? Right in front of the whole team, when Michael Jordan was ripping on Bill Cartwright, Phil Jackson says to Bill Cartwright, so everybody can hear. Next time Jordan yells at you like that, why don't you elbow him in the eye? Although you still hear stories about Michael Jordan like picking on Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr. Yeah, yeah, we know that. We know that. And then yeah. eventually, you know. But still, it's like, like basically the whole comment was, quit picking on on him, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He basically gave Bill Cartwright permission to elbow Michael Jordan in the face. Yep. Okay. And then and then Michael Jordan. Suppose this is how the story went. Michael Jordan goes into Bill Jackson's office alone. Why the hell I'm the leader of this team? 
blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, if you're sick of Bill Cartwright not catching your passes, why don't you just throw the ball as hard as you possibly can at his face from now on? I bet you he catches it. And if you watch for the rest of the – well, every time in practice and every time in a game, when Jordan threw the ball to Cartwright, he threw it right at Bill Cartwright's face, and mm-hmm. Bill Cartwright never dropped the ball again. If I remember, I, mean, I was never a big... That's a great point, by the way, because Michael Jordan, he didn't win until he trusted his teammates and he quit ripping his teammates. Obviously, he still ripped them, but not like mm-hmm. he did when he first got there, which was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. All that right. guy was ruthless, Coach, Michael if, Jordan. If I remember Bill Cartwright, I always hated him as a player, not as a person, but hated him as a player, and it wasn't so much the bad hands. It was what he did, and I remember me and my son used to joke about it all the time. After he'd catch the ball, he would, you know, he'd be like five feet away from the basket. All he got to do is turn around, take a jump shot, and put it. He would fake and go up and under and left and right. And, oh, fake again! Just shoot the ball, Bill. He would make some of the more easy tasks look awfully, awfully difficult. And he was also the black hole. Once the ball went into Carwright, he would never pass it out. Would never one of my favorite players. Uh, but. He was absolutely perfect for those the yeah. 91, 92, and 93. I don't care what you say. They don't win any world championships yeah. those three years without Bill Cartwright. I don't want to get into it now, but I would disagree with you on that. Everybody, right. but that you know, when you're a basketball coach, if you don't realize his role on that team, I'm yeah. a little bit worried about yeah, you. Well, exactly what role was that? The, the what? Of those, the coach, he used to guard Patrick Ewing by himself. The Bulls would not double team when Bill Cartwright was the center. Yeah, that's because Cartwright would play one on one, and Patrick Ewing would not be able to just outright destroy. That's because they were old. He would everybody else in the NBA. That was the only center he was good against, and that's because Cartwright and Ewing were teammates back in the day. He knew how to, you know, get in Patrick's head. He knew Patrick's Uh different moves. And who was the Bulls? And who was the Bulls' uh, biggest obstacle in '91, '92, and '93 to win the? Win the world, win the world title. John Starks in the New York Knicks. He played good defense against Patrick Ewing. I'll give him that, but uh, I think there's a lot of centers. And Luke Longley proved my point. That could have been yeah, part yeah. of it. And Luke Longley was basically the same player that Cartwright was, just a little more athletic and a little bit better of a shot. Yeah, but there were a hundred guys like that. There weren't a hundred yes, guys there like were. that. Like Luke Longley or Bill Cartwright. They not everybody over... was as tough, not as everybody was as tough as those guys, right, and the physical what? and willing to throw elbows and stuff. Right, There's we'll... a lot of skinny centers that uh, I don't know. All right, we'll discuss that later. Finishing up on the Cub before we move to a other topic, and again, our phone number here if you want to check in. Bill Cartwright, Luke Longley, if you're listening, Luke, uh, probably on a beach in Australia somewhere. Love to hear from you. Eight four seven. Four seven zero triple one four. Again, our phone number here, dog, and the coach phone lines open eight four seven four seven zero one 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 four. Cubs try to keep the streak going at Miami. You got all the circus atmosphere. Forget about that. Play the game. Travis Wood, young pitcher, who's really come about. We'll see if he can um, make another quality performance. He's been a big part of the streaking Cubs, and they'll be going up. Uh, he'll be going up against Annabelle Sanchez, Ronnie Santo. If you could tell the Cub fans a little bit about Miami Marlin pitcher, Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle? Okay. <laughs> Annabelle Sanchez? I like Annabelle better. It sounds, it sounds much better. Uh, either way. Well, he, he likes to keep the ball down. Really? Likes to work quickly. Wow. And he loves to work ahead in the count. Really? And he loves to pitch with a lead. <laughs> wow. It's outstanding. Sounds like the last 46 pitchers you've talked about, but thank you, Ronnie, for that analysis. 
All right. And you think Travis Wood uh, is similar to Jose Quintana? Can, I haven't watched him pitching up Big Dog, but do you think this kid is for real? I'm not talking about a Cy Young winner, but a legit I, pitcher in the I majors? Honestly, I, when the Cubs traded for him, I know they gave away Sean Marshall. I like the trade. I, I think Travis Wood is, is a quality uh, major league pitcher. The kid can throw strikes. And uh, he he doesn't overpower people. He's actually a pitcher, so mm-hmm. I would I I I like the kid. I think he's going to end up being okay. a pretty good pitcher. If you if anybody's going to a cup the cup game today or tomorrow against the Marlins, you got to get there early. You got to watch Giancarlo Stanton take batting practice. He will hit a couple off the buildings on Wave One Avenue, Coach. Been slumping lately. Oh my! I know he's slumping, and he won't do it in the game. As a matter of fact, Travis Wood will throw him a a 69-mile-an-hour curveball, and he'll probably break his back trying to swing him so hard at it. But in batting practice, 500-foot home runs after 500-foot home runs. It's one after the other. It's truly amazing. He's the best batting practice player in baseball right now is Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton. All right. And, and uh, why, again, was he not in the home run derby? Because he has about 900 strikeouts so far this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't explain that. You have to be on the all-star team in order to be in the home run derby, because all everybody every year is always an all star. Good point. Good point. By the way, I was umpiring 16 in softball over the weekend, and uh-huh. a guy struck out. You talk about you talk about a long walk back to the dugout and ready to get razzed by your teammates. You strike out in 16 in softball. Not you know first fall after two strikes. That's livable, but actually swing and miss on strike three. That's a long walk back to the dugout. Coach, I, I, I know, I, trust me, I know exactly how it is. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I, I, I don't know if you ever went to any of our WSCC softball games, but it would basically be me and Brian Bauer hitting home runs, <laughs> the other eight people striking oh, out. Oh, come on. And, striking out? Oh, oh my goodness. Swinging? Yeah, I, can't explain, I can't explain how bad we were. That's, okay. that's, that's. But bad. I am not kidding. Every, uh, there will be games that I will go like four for four, and I'm the first, my first at bat. I would swing so hard, I would miss the ball. Every single season, the first swing I take at a softball, I would miss it. And mm-hmm. then I would be reminded, just relax and hit the ball. So uh, I could understand, I'm a, I could swing a bat, and I would, oh, I, it, I would always miss at least one pitch a season. So don't, I understand. It can happen. You can strike out, coach. <laughs> and after umpiring the games, you have no idea, like, like when, when people would strike out, I would, I feel bad about ringing them up. See, you know what I mean? Like, I, well, I, I don't like, Overall, I don't. Here's here's my definition of if I give you the big strike three or just kind of raise it up and strike three and feel bad for the guy. If there's two strikes in, now, if you get one of these idiotic, and, and I don't like these guys, these pitchers who think the game is about them, and they fling it way up to the sky, you know, with two strikes, and then they land it on the black part right in the well where you have to call a strike three. I'm very strict on high arc pitchers, but, uh, you know, if he lands it right there, you got to call strike three. Then I'm not going to embarrass the batter because it's a ridiculous pitch. But on the other hand, if you got two strikes on you, 16 in softball, and it's a hittable pitch, and you think, eh, I'm going to let it go, it's close, it might be a ball, I will ring you out with enthusiasm and fervor and a little bit of revenge in my voice because there's no excuse if the pitch is close and it's not a super high arc for taking it with two strikes. Swing the damn bat. Yeah, yeah, and Coach, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, and I make it a point. I tell both teams. Everybody, if the ball even touches a little bit the strike zone, it's a strike. So swing away. I say that to both teams, seriously, before the game. 
But no, don't don't help that. out the high arc pitcher though. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, but that I guy. Laugh, okay. And then, like, the, you know what's beautiful is I played on a dusty field and the ball would land, and you could tell, like, it would barely touch the strike zone, and these people would screw, that's a ball! And I'm like, it touched the strike zone. Didn't you hear me at the beginning mm-hmm. of the game? That's ridiculous. I'm like, are you coming here to walk or swing a bat? Yep. And that's all, and then I would be done. Yep. And then, then It's a hittable pitch. That's why I tell the guy. It was a hittable pitch. Yeah, just, right there. Just, well, a little bit outside of the hittable pitch, swing the damn bat. That's exactly what I say. Yeah. Swing the bat. But, but again, I, you know, I could add these guys to the coach's hit list, the guys that really annoy me. Are these 16 inch recreational pitchers who think the game is about them? You know the guy, the guy that jumps off the rubber and then does the hesitations and all the flips, spins the ball in his hand, looks around at his teammate. Just pitch the damn ball, put an arc on it. And it's a hitter and fielder's game. The game's not about you. I, I really dislike the super high arc, all about me 16 inch pitcher. You know, it's a, the, but you have to be a great fielder if you're the pitcher. Oh, yeah. Softball. That's, yes. Yep. That's, that's the thing. When they put, whenever I, Say I see a woman out on on the mound. I I I purposely hit a ground ball that's really weak, yep. and then I just run the first base. I usually bat lead off. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, eight four seven eight four seven zero one 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 four. I'm very proud of the fact other Chicago sports shows led off with this story. We're going to tail off with it and not make a big deal of it. And uh, we will mention our Chicago Bears. Uh, did finally sign their star running back, Matt Forte, big dog, four years, a uh, little bit under $8 million a year. I guess the big deal was that $17 million was guaranteed. It was a bit of a compromise. And, again, I'm very proud of the fact that we didn't make a big story because, quite frankly, I didn't feel sorry for Matt Forte beforehand and I'm not all that elated for him right now. I like him as a player. Yeah. But, I, you know, yeah, I was totally disgusted by all the uh, $7 million and their disrespecting me talk. Uh, well, Coach, uh, you know what? Typically, I am on the side of ownership, but when it comes to NFL running backs who only have a short amount of career, and you got to figure that this guy was the only offensive weapon the Bears have had the last couple of years, I don't like to disrespect talk. I don't like that at whatsoever. But I'm glad they signed him, and it seems that's a good deal for both sides. Mm-hmm. One is... You're going to keep him around for four years, whether he gets hurt or not. You're going to keep Matt Forte around, so you're not going to take any type of salary cap hit for the guaranteed money. And so the fact that it's only going to count at $8 million a year against the salary cap, like if you release him, then you're like, why would you pay him so much guaranteed money? They're not going to release him in four years. So the fact that he's got his guaranteed money and he doesn't have to worry any, and the Bears aren't paying him too much per year to play as an NFL running back, it's a good deal on all sides, and I hope Matt Forte has an absolutely dynamic year leading the Bears to the World uh, Championship. Mm-hmm. And I'm serious, Coach. My goal for the Chicago Bears this year is winning the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. That is wow. what I consider the Bears' goal as a team should be. Mm-hmm. First of all, they need to win the first game of the season. Then they can start all that other stuff. But <laughs> seriously, that's a, it's a good move, Coach. Yeah. It's a, getting them done well before camp. So, you know what I mean, a couple days. The camp starts, what, about a week from now? I didn't want it to happen the eve of camp. I want everybody together, go to the team meetings, and and get all this stuff done before they get in together. Would you know mm-hmm. when the first day of training camp is for the no, I don't. Normally I around, don't. It's coming up, though. Yeah, it's normally around, like, uh, July 20th. It's yep. right in there. So. Yep. Bourbonet. Beautiful Bourbonet. It might be even earlier this year because they're playing uh, in the Hall of Fame game, aren't they? Them and the Rams? Not sure. Thought that was last year. 
Don't really I care. I lose track of preseason football. One, you might be exactly right, Coach. Yeah. It probably was last year. <laughs> the one thing I do worry about is um, there's been an awful, awful lot of Jay Cutler love in the off season after the injury. And I've said this before, Jay Cutler finally, finally played the kind of football we were looking for the five games before he got injured. But it was five games. Okay, It wasn't ten games. It wasn't a season. It was, wasn't two seasons. I still, even with my weak memory, I still remember back because, uh, you know, bare football on Sundays kind of sticks in the old brainage. Uh, I still remember the first year and a half, Big Dog, when it was up again, down again. And I know, oh, you can say the receivers and the offensive line. That's part of it, but part of it was Jay Cutler. And it goes back to his opening game with the Bears, with the Green Bay Packers, when he overthrew a couple of receivers and got intercepted three, four times. He was inconsistent at best. He had some good games, but he had a lot of bad moments. Then he hit the five-game streak. And it seems to me, in Chicago, every fan and every media guy, all they remember is those five games, and they've anointed him automatically is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I still am a little hesitant. Uh, Ron Jaworski has him as the sixth-best quarterback in the NFL. And I, I respect Jaworski, You can go ahead and be hesitant. For the first time as a Chicago Bear, he's going to have a number one receiver. And for the first time since he's been a Chicago Bear, he's going to have an offensive coordinator who designs plays around his talents, and that is so stubborn because he's a disciple of Eric Coriel. Uh, Mike Martz and decided to just fling all uh, rationale and reason to the wind and just start flinging the ball around when you've got people like Jamarcus Webb protecting you. So, Coach, he's going to have a phenomenal year, a phenomenal year. And I, I agree, the whole he's only done the five games and he annoyed him a great quarterback. I'm thinking he's going to have a great season, not because of the five games, because finally he's got a receiver, he's got two running backs, and he's going to have an offensive line that, Mike Tice is going to take advantage of their strengths and mm-hmm. not their weaknesses. To have an offensive line last year consistently having quarterbacks do seven-step drops was idiotic. I cannot believe the, the Bears actually had Mike Martz as their offense coordinator. And I said this before they hired him. I go, I was like, don't hire that bum, okay? And then, but he won a world championship as an offense coordinator with the Rams. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk. Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, enough said. Uh, Big Dog, your word, the last word, my friend. Enjoy the day on the Chicago River. Uh, wear some sunscreen out there, my friend, and, and God willing, we'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? I, uh, I'm actually taking the day off. Woo-hoo! I am not working today for the first time, and I don't remember when. Beautiful, beautiful. Enjoy the day off. We'll talk to you tomorrow. How's that? Got everybody. All right, we'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for listening. Coach Big Dog, producer extraordinaire David Olson, signing off. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.